0: We'll just pray. Thank you, Father, that you make all things straight. Thank you, Lord, that you're here with us today. Thank you, Lord, that you could see into all of our lives. You could see into all of our hearts. You could see all the different ways that this world has tried to come against us. Just thank you, Father, that you be manifested in each person's life individually in the the way that they need to see you manifested in their life. I just thank you, Father, that you make everything that's gotten crooked straight. I just thank you, Father, that uh, you be put clearly on display today, that we could know you intimately, that we could uh, see that you're the Father we've always needed, and that you have given our lives the care that we've always needed. Thank you, Father, for the resurrection. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, where are we at? What are we doing Okay. Everlasting Father. I, I asked this question in the Bible study um, today. Um, why do we believe on Jesus? <laughs> you think that sounds like a strange question, but <laughs> I've found in my life, you that can become kind of like an afterthought where a lot of people are not even sure why they, they believe on Jesus. But Paul says something profound in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, if Jesus be not risen from the dead, our faith is in vain. That's a loaded statement that he says there. And so I I just wanted to tell everybody the reason we believe on Jesus is because we see there was a faith in his heart on the cross that overcame the death of the cross and didn't just overcome the death of the cross and reset him back to the place where he was, right? I mean, sometimes we get so happy. I want to go back to the Garden of Eden, I mean, I understand the sentiment when we say those things, but guys, Adam hadn't eaten from the tree of life yet back in the Garden of Eden. He hadn't been clothed in immortal flesh yet. And I hate to break it to us, we forget all of this, but listen, man, when Jesus was raised, when Jesus died at the cross, that was God taking everybody back to the Garden of Eden. I don't know if you remember, but in Adam, we lost access to the tree of life, the cherubims marked it off. So when Jesus died on the cross and said, it is finished, and the the veil was rent from the top to the bottom, those cherubims that were guarding the tree of life were etched on that veil. And what that signified were those angels were moved out of the way, and we were back to where Adam was, where we could either eat from the tree of life or eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What we see in Jesus is something much better than that. There was a faith in his heart that didn't just overcome the cross and put him back in the place where he could eat from the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It raised him into an incorruptible life. That's why we're believing on Jesus. Because we see there was a faith in him that raised his life up out of the death in this world. And what we all want, what we all need, is for our lives to overcome this world. Every single one of us in here sees something in this world that we want our lives to overcome, that we want our children's lives to overcome, that we want our lives to overcome, that we want our loved ones' lives to overcome. Well, we believe on Jesus because we see there's a faith in him that even overcame the wickedness and the darkness and the injustice of the cross. And it didn't just bring him back up and say, okay, now try and avoid the world. It brought him back up in a life that can't be touched by the world. (laughs) grave clothes can't come upon that life, right? That's why we believe in on Jesus, (laughs) okay? The, The resurrection of Jesus is the proof that the faith that was in his heart on the cross, the faith that we all believe on for life, it's the proof that that faith is not weak and beggarly. It is not impotent. has been tried in the fire of the cross. It has been put in the fire of death. Do You know when you try something to see whether it's pure and precious, you stick it in a fire because you want to see how precious it is. Well, God's got a precious life. And there's a faith that was in Jesus' heart when he was on the cross. And that faith has been proved to be pr- precious and true because that faith produced a life that was tried in the fire of death. And that faith produced a life that comes out of death. That faith will call you forth out of the grave. That faith will echo inside of you, live. To the degree that even if you've been laying in a grave dead for three days, you're going to stand up and walk out. And you ain't going to stand up behind the grave and think, well, I'm awake now and I'm alive, but how am I getting out? Because there's a big tombstone. No, no. that faith is echo inside of you, removing the tombstone even. The resurrection is the proof that this faith can get down. I used to go to the the Buddhist school in Colorado when I lived there, and I was a young guy, fiery. And I would go debate with them about doctrine and Jesus. And I remember one day, we were just going back and forth with semantics, arguing with somebody. You ever done that, having an intellectual argument, and they're not getting it? And I was like, no, no, no. I said, you don't understand. I'm after a life that can't die. I'm after a life that will even raise me up in a body that's been glorified with immortality, never to be touched by death or weakness again. I'm after the kind of life that if you come and take that life and nail it to a cross, that life will produce peace and love and joy, even while you're stripped naked to a cross. And I said, I'm sorry, but you're not explaining to me how Buddha can give me that life. I said, in fact, I only see one guy who ever came out of the grave in that kind of a life. His name is Jesus. I said, so if you want to show me another guy who overcame death in the flesh, you want to show me another guy that when he hung on the cross, his heart actually said, my cup runneth over. Yea, though I walk through a valley shadowed by death, I fear no evil. You want to show me another guy who talked about a faith that could produce this life and then demonstrated it? Well, I might consider what they have to say. But there ain't no other guy like that other than jesus that's why we believe in on jesus that's the deepest desire of all of our hearts to overcome this and for this not to touch our lives or our children's lives that's the deepest desire we all have well the resurrection is the sign of god coming and giving our lives the care we desire If you want your children's lives to overcome what's in this world, listen, man, you teach them about the God that raises the dead. You teach them about the God that has come and cared for their life in a way that even should the world come knocking at their door, this God will cause them to abound over the world. This God will bring forth a life in them that abounds over the world. Hmm. It's precious and true. It's been tried. It's like God conducted experiment in our midst, right? What this death that we so badly fear, that we see is so unjust, that we see is so wrong, all the things in the world we see are so crooked. what God did is He took all of it because he saw we were in awe of all of it. We, we saw all of it like Goliath. And what God did is he took all of that and he put it next to his life. And we wanted us to see that he has a life in his hand that even abounds over all of that so that we could begin to see this guy has cared for our lives in the way that we need. And we could begin to know him as father. And so this faith, it's been tried and proven to be precious and true. It produces a life that even abounds over the sin and death that's in this world. When Jesus was on the cross as the son of man, he was thinking the same thing we're thinking now. We're needing someone who can be a father to our life. We're needing someone that can provide us with a life that can abound over everything we see going on in this world that ain't right. We need someone that can give us that. Well, Jesus believed that god was the father that he needed jesus believed that when he was on the cross stripped naked dead with every evil thing that could manifest in the world coming against him he believed that the father that god was the father he needed he believed that within god's hand was the ability to give his life the care that it needed in that faith what it did was it produced a life in him that abounded over the world When you're thinking about how can my life overcome the world, don't just think about the things you can do to position your life in a way that it overcomes the world. Because I promise you, Jesus did everything right and the world still came. You can't escape the world by your own wits. Right? You can't escape the world with your own wits. But you know what? The Father has taken thought to care for your life in a way that will serve you with the life that abounds over the world. So as you walk through this world, and you're also needing to be wise in navigating the ways of the world, don't lose sight of the fact that God is the father you need. And what you really need to abound or to find your life abounding over the world, what you really need is the life that the Father called forth in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's actually the only thing that can preserve your life from the world. That's the only thing that can always cause your life to abound over the world. That's called freedom. I'm not trying to avoid the world anymore. Do you know why? Because I got a life that abounds over the world. And I'm a sign and a wonder. You're a sign and a wonder. Do you know how you salt the earth? Do you know how we're the salt of the earth? It ain't by telling people all their crooked ways. The way that we're the salt of the earth is we're not filled with the fear that comes from the death that's in the world because we see God has cared for our life by serving us with the life that abounds over the world. And that salts the earth because it declares to people that there's a God who has a life that can even preserve you from death. Which is what everybody in this world wants. Everyone everyone. I always come in and tell myself, I'm not going to be excited today. I'm just going to talk slow. Just going to talk slow so people can follow. (laughs) Every time I do that, God's like, listen, bro, I love your explanations, but your explanations are not the power. The Holy Spirit is (laughs) right. So just let it rip and trust that the spirit is moving in the hearts of people, to serve them with what they need. Glory to God. We're going to take, um, well, we'll look at maybe 1 John for a second. 1 John says that we have intimacy with the Father through the Son. If you go and read 1 John chapter 1. What he means when he says we have intimacy with the Father, what he means is we're able to see that God is our Father. We're able to know God as our Father. And what he's saying is the way we're able to know God as our Father is through him having manifested himself and his life in the body of Jesus' resurrection. It's the life that manifested in Jesus when he was raised from the dead that causes us to be able to know God as Father. Otherwise, he's just a distant God right? The power of the gospel isn't found in just knowing that God exists. It's in found in knowing God as father. And father is not just like the kind of thing where you say, well, God created me. Even the devils believe God created them, but they're not knowing God as father. They're not thinking of God as Father. So to to know God as Father means that you see this guy has taken thought to care for your life. And not only has he taken thought to care for your life like he can or he might, but you see that he's actually done something to give your life all the care that it needs. Already, when he raised Jesus from the dead, never to die again. That is God pitching your life within and without with a life that can't die. When Noah got in the ark, When you read about Noah building the ark, God told Noah, pitch it within and without. It's the same word they use for the atonement. And what God was saying was this ark will preserve your life from this world and the depth that's in this world. Well, when God raised Jesus from the dead, he gave our lives the kind of care it needs. In fact, the only kind of care that could actually serve us with the life we need, because he pitched us within and without with the life that can't die. He pitched us within and without with the life that can't be overcome by this world. And now we're walking in this world like we up in an ark. Why do you think Jesus slept on the boat when the waves were crashing? He was pitched within and without. He saw the care that God has given for his life when that Holy Spirit came and dwelt in him. Right? And so the word that was made flesh in the resurrection of Jesus, that word gives us intimacy with the father because it is the manifestation of everlasting father. It is the Father having showed up in this earth, being intimately acquainted with the care our lives needed, and then showing us that he provided us with the care our lives need. Here he's come and conquered death inside of the flesh from within, and he's pushed it without, and he's pitched us within and without with his Holy Spirit that can't die. Hallelujah. This is why the apostles weren't afraid of death. Right? The reason why they they were filled with boldness and they were witnesses of the resurrection is because they laid down their death management. All of us are busy with some form of death management. I don't know if you realize it. All of us are trying to manage this life we have to preserve it from death. Well, what the apostles saw about the resurrection of Jesus is that everlasting Father is come. And we've actually been sitting in the place where we have eternity in our hearts, which means our hearts long for the kind of care that can serve us with the life that is unto everlasting. And the apostles saw in the resurrection of Jesus that that was everlasting Father, that God had given their lives the care that it needed, and it filled them with a reckless abandon. Let death come to my doorstep. Because there's a life in me that's going to witness of the resurrection. And then your life becomes a sign and a wonder. And it makes foolish the wisdom of the world. Right? You want your heart to be set free from the fear that's in the world as you navigate the world. You need to have a sound mind as you navigate the world. Because if fear is what you're living by, that you're using to try to navigate the world. Listen, you might be making decisions. You might think they're wise decisions. There ain't no wise decision that comes forth from fear. And so God comes and gives us a sound mind. The way that he does is he serves us with a life that overcomes the world, every form of the corruption we see in the world. And then what happens is, is in our heart, it's already settled. I have a life that overcomes the world. Hallelujah. And then you live in liberty, right? Then you live in liberty. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to look at 1 John, or not 1 John, John chapter 17. Does that make any sense? It's okay if it doesn't. You have the Holy Spirit. You could sum up this whole message with the voice of God saying, live. You could sum it up. That's what you could sum up if I had to put it in a couple of words, a phrase. John chapter 17, for those that like to... Write the notes and the scriptures. Thanks, Shelley, for what you said. I'm going to start leaving the title there on the notes for the message. For those of you that don't know, I put all the notes on the website. You could download them you can print them i do that for a reason so the people that like to study the scriptures and see what i said they can go and pull them up and they can look at them themselves also those of you watching online that have kids man we have a whole children's church curriculum on the website you can pull it up and you can look at it i know somebody asked what do i tell my kids about the resurrection and the cross well if you don't feel comfortable that you know how to do it you can pull up the whole lesson plan parents that are here, if your kids are back there in Children's Church and you want to know, like, what are they teaching my kids? That's a good thing to want to know. You can go to the website. You can pull up the whole curriculum and look at it, right? And you can see what you think about it. And you can even comment to us about what you think about it, right? Glory to God. John 17. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come Glorify your son, that your son may also glorify you. As you have given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is life eternal, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. In the Greek there, it's interesting, that word and could be even. Right, We read and, and we see it as a separate thing. It could just as easily say, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, even Jesus Christ. <laughs> I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Are we going to focus on the glorification of God? Because Jesus says, glorify me and that will glorify you. I remember I used to sit there and I think, well, how does God, how does the resurrection of Jesus glorify God? I didn't understand what that meant, right? Because I had a whole kind of jacked up view of, of the cross and everything. So the resurrection never made sense to me. But I, I used to think, how does the resurrection glorify God? And so I, I want that question to kind of sit with you guys. Because as you ask that question inside yourself, The Holy Spirit will minister to you this whole message, even without me. And so you might ask God that. How does the resurrection glorify you? I mean, what does it mean for God to be glorified even? I mean, what does that even mean? And so the scriptures reveal what all that means. And and, and simply put, the resurrection of Jesus glorifies God by revealing God or revealing God to the world as everlasting father. That's how it glorifies God. It reveals him to the world as the father that the world needs. Right. That's how it glorifies God. Jesus begins in John 17 by saying he has authority over all flesh right? And, and part of what he's saying there is that in me having authority over all flesh, when you raise me from the dead, when I come out of the grave with the life that overcome death in the flesh, then I can give that same life to whomever wants it as a free gift. That's part of what he's saying. But another big part of what Jesus is saying, when he says he has authority over all flesh, is that Jesus is the son of man. We are also the children of men. I don't know, you guys realize that, right? Remember when Jesus asked Peter, Who do they say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Well, if you notice, Jesus says that with, who do you say that I, the son of man, am? He throws that in there. And then when he responds to Peter, he calls Peter Barjona, son of man. And so he says back to Simon, Peter, the same thing. You're also the son of man. And so one of the things Jesus is saying when he says he has authority over all flesh is he's saying, I'm the son of man, father. And they're also the children of men. When they see the way you care for my life, when they see you raise me from the dead and provide my life with the care that it needs, it will be as a light that lights up all people with the knowledge of everlasting father. That, and I just combined like 10 verses all in that one sentence. But if you go back and read John chapter 1, which you need to understand John chapter 1 and have it in your mind when you get to John 17, it says Jesus is the light that lights up all people. Well, what is the light that lights up all people? It's the same thing Jesus is saying here in John 17. He's saying, Father, I'm the Son of Man. I have flesh. They're the children of men. When you raise me from the dead, these guys will see the care that you've taken to provide me with the life that I need. And they'll see you as everlasting father. They'll see that this is the same kind of care that you came to give their lives. And it will be as a light unto them that lights them up with the knowledge of you as everlasting father. They'll begin to know you as father. It will light all people up with the thought that you've taken to care for their life, God. Because listen, God has taken thought to care for all of our lives. Before we knew we needed care, God first thought, I want to care for them. Why do you think he had kids? Those of you that planned to have kids, did you have kids thinking, well, I don't really want to care for them, but after they are come, then I'll care for them? No, you plan to have kids because you took thought to care for them. <laughs> right? And so God first took thought to care for our lives. But now we were in a world surrounded by death and darkness. And we couldn't see God as Father. We couldn't see that he would care for our lives. We couldn't see that he could give us the kind of care that our lives needed. So we weren't knowing him as the one that could be the father that we needed. We weren't knowing him as the one that would care for our lives. We were busy trying to care for our own lives. We were busy managing the death we saw everywhere. So Jesus is like, listen, I'm going to go to the cross. They're going to see the death that they're trying to manage. And they're going to see you come and care for my life. They're going to see you come and give my life the care that it needs. And because I'm the son of man, and they're also the children of men, they're going to see the thought you've taken to care for their lives. They're going to see that you are the father that they've always needed they're gonna see that within your hand is the strength that they need to be served with the life that overcomes this world it will be a light bulb that goes off in their head and it will cause them to start seeing you as father they won't just know you as god because there's a big difference between knowing god and knowing father Father is someone that cares for your life. Father is someone that knows what your life needs. Father is someone that has the ability to give your life the kind of care it needs to flourish and be fruitful. And Jesus is saying, all these children of men, they're busy dying in the earth and they need a specific kind of care. They need the kind of care that will preserve their lives from death. And they're not knowing you as the one that can give them the care that they need. So Father, glorify me, raise me up from the dead that these guys are needing to be healed from. And they'll see that you have come to heal them. And they'll see that you have the ability to preserve their lives from the death they want to be removed. And they'll start to not call you God. They'll start to call you Father. Right? I mean, John chapter 1 begins with, nobody has known the Father but the Son. Well, there's a whole Old Testament of people knowing God. (laughs) And then it says that Jesus is the word made flesh. He is God manifested in the flesh to declare God to all of us, to declare God as what? As father. See, we say these cliches. I'm starting to call them Christian cliches. We all say God is father, don't we? I don't have to convince any of you that God's father. But now I start asking you, what does that mean? Hmm. See, Jesus knew what it meant. And that's what he came to bring out, what it meant. Because if you could see what it meant, that God, we all want a father. Jim, you got a ministry with people, with men, that feel broken because their father wasn't the kind of father they needed. Many people in this world have had broken lives because they needed someone to be a father to their life. And they looked at their earthly father and their earthly father did not give their lives the care that it needed. And we even see how that torments their lives. We even got stats. Go and study the stats. When you go and study the stats that leave people incarcerated, that leave people not doing well in life, it's overwhelming that the father wasn't there. We all need someone to be a father to our life. We want it. We yearn for it. And for someone to be father, for someone to be the father that we need, they got to be able to give our lives the care that we need. They have to know the kind of care we need. And they got to be able to provide us with the life that can care for us. That's why we call someone father. I mean we got funny cliches that anybody can create a life it takes a father to shape the life or to raise the life you have parents or kids whose father wasn't present maybe and they say i don't call him dad why don't they call him dad because they say he didn't give my life the care that it needed i just want to set everybody free from your 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 hurt that you feel at the hands of the weakness of your earthly father. Jesus said, don't call any man your father on earth. For you have one father in heaven. And what Jesus is saying is, listen, man, your earthly father can't actually give your life the care that it needs. Your earthly father is in fact needing for his life to be cared for. So Jesus saw on the cross, when he was on the cross, Jesus saw his life and he saw, my life needs to be cared for. Like I, I'm in the, I need, like I need to be cared for. I need my flesh that's screaming. I need it to be rocked to sleep. I need it to be put to rest. I need to be clothed upon. I'm naked here. My flesh is being torn. I need my life to be cared for. Well, Jesus saw the father. God is the father that I need. Meaning, God is the one that can give my flesh-torn life the care that it needs. That's why he said, Abba. Right? Jesus goes on to say to the Father in John 17, And this is eternal life. Or this will be unto eternal life in them that they know the one true God, meaning that they know the one person that can actually be the father they need. That will be unto eternal life manifesting in them that they see that you're the one that can serve them with the eternity that's in their hearts that they see you are the one that is able to give their life the care that it needs that they see the thought you've taken to care for their life that you are mighty that you are possessing the strength to serve them with the abundant life they need and in seeing that they come to know you as father God's like, we got to show these dudes that we can care for their lives. We got to show these dudes. And Jesus is like, all right, I'm going to come into the world, and I'm going to let happen to me what's happening to them. And then in that place, I'm going to see you're the father I need. And I'm going to commit my life into your hands. And then you're going to show up and pamper my life with the life that even overcomes the grave. And I'm going to come out of the grave. And that's going to be as a light to all the other humans in the earth, declaring you as everlasting father, declaring you as the one that can serve them with the eternity in their hearts, declaring you as the only one that can give them a life that is unto everlasting, which is what we all want. We come forth from someone who's everlasting. You ever find something in your heart where you want to be accepted by your father? You ever find something in your heart when you were young, growing up, wanting to do the things you saw your father doing because you wanted your father to look at you and you wanted to look like him? Well, we got eternity in our hearts, right? The only one our hearts will be at rest in as our father is someone who has a life that is unto everlasting in his hand. That's the only one we'll see as father, right? Glory to God. God shows up in the resurrection of Jesus. I know the eternity that's in your heart. It looks like this, doesn't it? <laughs> this is what it looks like, isn't it? Well, here I am to serve you with the eternity that's in your hearts. When we see that, do you know what our hearts say to us? It can only mean one thing. He's Father. <laughs> you, no one has to tell you to cry out, Ebba. You find your heart crying out, Ebba. Because you see the care that he's given for your life. You don't even know what kind of care you need. You just know that you need. Children don't know exactly what they need. That's why they need you. But they know they want. (laughs) God shows up and says, I know what you need. I know you're in the place where you want. I got what you need. Here it is. And when you begin to see, oh, goodness, that's the eternity that's been in my heart. Your heart says, he must be my father. He's the father that I need. He can give my life the care that it needs. Right? Guys, we're we're very much like little children. It's like a sign and a wonder that testifies to us. We easily observe these things in our children, right? Do you think your children know what they need all the time? No. In fact, you're like, they don't know what they need. Why? Because you've lived through life. You know what life needs. You know what's unto life and what's unto death. And so they don't even really know what they need. They just know they feel lack and they don't know how to deal with it. Right? Well, it's the same way with us. We didn't know what we needed. We just knew that we wanted. it. And do you know what kind of a life we need? Do you know the kind of care that we need for our lives? It's a very specific kind of thing. It isn't just some random thing. It's a very specific kind of thing because we're the image of God. There's only a certain kind of care that would ever do for a creature that's created in the image of God. There's only a certain kind of care that will ever do for someone that's come forth from the loins of a person with eternal life. And see, so you know what kind of life we need? You know what kind of care we need for a life? We need someone to serve us with the life that overcomes death. We need a sinless life. And I'm not talking about bad behavior. Although when you see you have a sinless life, you will find all the bad behavior falling off of you. Because all the sin you see coming out of your life, the works of the flesh you see coming out of your life, comes forth from you trying to perfect your own life from the spots and blemishes you see. Well, when you see that God served you with the life that he perfected from spots and blemishes, you begin to live free from trying to perfect your own life and the works of the flesh fall off of you. We need a life that's without spot or blemish. We long for that life. We need a life that overcomes the tribulation in the world. We need the kind of life that can serve us with peace, that can serve us with love, that can serve us with joy. We need the kind of care where someone comes and gives us a life that comforts us, that can rock our flesh to sleep, that can protect us. Not as we're walking in la-la land like a smurf, La, 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 What good? Listen, when you're walking in la, la land, you're good already. I don't know if you guys realize it, but like, you know, the Smurfs are walking around smurfing. La, 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 la. And it looks all happy and everything. And then all of a sudden, smell. Gargamel, right? All of a sudden, the darkness of Gargamel. the The land is shadowed with death. And they're walking in a land shadowed with death. Well, listen, man, we need the kind of care where someone comes and gives us a life that can give us comfort, that can give us peace and love and joy, even as we walk in a world where there's Gargamel, where we walk in a world that's shadowed by death. That's for you, Barb. You and I, we're exactly alike. We need the kind of life that can protect us as we walk in, in a world that's shadowed with death. That's the kind of life that we want. A life that can even raise up these mortal bodies into immortality. A life that can bring forth peace and love and joy in us, even should everything around us be crumbling. Listen, if the life you have can only bring you peace when everything's going right, that life just won't do. That kind of life can't care for you, <laughs> it's impotent, it's weak. That's the kind of life we want, that can serve us with peace and love and joy, even should everything come crumbling down. That's the kind of life we see in Jesus, a life that isn't at the mercy of this world, a life that can't be corrupted by bad politicians. That's the latest corruption that we're all very concerned about, right? And and don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Listen, all the politicians are corrupt. It's a fact. But I I promise you this one thing. The politicians in Jesus' day were much more corrupt than the politicians we have today. And we got some bad politicians, but they ain't nowhere near as bad as the politicians in Jesus' day. Well, do you know what we see in the resurrection? We see in the resurrection of Jesus a life that isn't at the mercy of bad politicians. Woe is you if you think the answer to you having peace is getting rid of all the bad politicians. You see me sweating right now? It ain't because I'm laboring. It's because the the heat, man. Right. Well, if if you if you're busy with the kind of life that can only have peace once you fix all the bad politicians, you're going to be living the cursed life. Like God told Adam, a life where you're trying to find peace by the sweat of your brow. Not the kind of life where somebody else comes and served you with peace. Right. Jesus needed peace on the cross. He found peace. He said, I thirst. You know what he was thirsting for? Matthew five says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after God's righteousness. It ain't no, Jesus wasn't saying I'm parched. I need a sip of water. That's not what he was saying. His flesh was being torn, rent from the inside out. He needed comfort. He needed peace. And you know, they came and gave him a sponge. It says in the scripture that it was filled with vinegar. Go look at what that vinegar is. It's not vinegar like we think of vinegar. I I drink an apple cider vinegar drink every day. I grow to like it, the lemon in it. I just like it. What was in that sponge that they gave Jesus was something they gave to people that were being tortured and put to death. Do you know what it did? It's supposed to numb their senses so they can get through the pain. Well, Jesus wasn't thirsting after the kind of comfort that comes from the world. He was thirsting after the righteousness in God's hand to serve him with comfort. That's why he spit it out. That's the kind of life we want that can give us comfort even should we be being nailed to a tree. Because if you can't come down off the tree, what kind of life do you have if you you can't find comfort there? Mm. So we see in Jesus, in the resurrection of Jesus, we see a life not at the mercy of bad politicians. We see it isn't at the mercy of corrupt Roman soldiers. It isn't even at the mercy of the cross. Because when the cross came and Jesus was nailed to the cross, the life that he had in himself, it brought him out of the grave. His life isn't even at the mercy of this cross. That's the life God came to pamper you with. That's the life God came to swaddle you with. You know when a baby comes out of the womb, they come out of the womb in blood and then we swaddle them? Well, God found us in our blood, in death. And he showed up as the one that we needed to be our father. And he showed us he's the one we need to be our father because he swaddled us from the blood of our death with the light of his life. Jesus was naked on the cross in his blood. He needed to be swaddled with the light of life. He saw God was the only one that would swaddle him. In the resurrection of Jesus, we see a life that brought him out of the grave. It brought him out of the grave in a body that could never be touched by weakness. Listen, that's the father's life. Where do you think that life came from? It came from the father. It is the father's life. That's the kind of life we need. That's the only life that can give us the care that we need. That's it. I know the world is always trying to convince you that it can give your life the care that it needs. And it looks good for food, doesn't it? Many times the care we think we can find from the world, it looks like it's good to give us the care. Guess what else looked like it was good for food? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what did that produce? Death. So guys, God's life isn't fragile. But the life we have from, the lives we have from the world, I think. I'm just telling you something you already know. The lives we have from the world, they're fragile. Everybody in here is old enough to know that. Your life is fragile, bro. The one you have from the world. I know you're young and you're strong and you can dunk on people and you can yell and you can be like Rah! The only kind of life that's gonna save you when you get old like me and you don't have hair is the father's life. <laughs> Although you might have hair forever. Yeah, see you got a nice you got a nice thing going there. Uh, we're born into a world where the life is fragile because it's but dust it's only earthy it's made from the substance of this earth the life that we're born into there's a whole lot of cares that come along with managing the life we have i mean the death we have from this world because you realize that's the life we have from this world right it's death actually We don't have life from this world. We have the death that's in this world. (laughs) There's a whole lot of cares and anxieties and fears that are filled with trying to manage the lives we have from this world. And we got eternity in our hearts. We want a life that can keep our hearts from fear and anxiety. How many of you like it when you fear fear and anxiety? No one? Oh, wow. Do you know what you're saying? I need the kind of life that can heal me from fear and anxiety that's the kind of care that I need I need someone that can care for me in a way where they give me a life that keeps me from fear and anxiety you know the only kind of life that can keep you from fear and anxiety a life that can't be corrupted a life that abounds over the world that's the only kind of life that can give you that right That's the kind of life we want. We want a life that can defend our name. How many of you like it when people hate you? How many of you like it when people reject you, when people despise you? How many of you like it when people look at you and they see something they don't like and then they turn their back on you? How many of you like it when you're dishonored in the presence of people? How many of you like that? That's telling you the kind of care that your life needs. It's telling you what you're longing for. It's telling you that you need someone that can give you a life that will overcome all of that. You need a life that can stand up to scrutiny. You need a life that can defend your reputation. You need a life that can prevail against every accusation that could ever come against you. That's the kind of life that you need. And you're busy walking around looking for someone that can serve you with that kind of a life. You're wanting that kind of a life. Well, Jesus came to manifest everlasting Father in the earth by showing us that the Father has come to give us that kind of a life. when Jesus was on the cross, despised, rejected, dishonored, embarrassed, spit on, mocked, a man despised and rejected by the world. He saw he needed to be cared for. And the care that he needed was he needed someone who could come and manifest a life in him that would cause him to overcome all the dishonor and shame of this cross. Oh, man, when God raised Jesus from the dead, clothed in a life that was without spot or blemish, it showed us the kind of care we need. And it showed us God can give give our lives the kind of care we need. The resurrection of Jesus shows us God can serve us with the kind of life that doesn't wilt under the heat of the world. In fact, the scripture talks about how we'll be trees of righteousness. Which one? Psalm 1 that will be trees planted by the rivers of the water. Do you know what it says? Whose fruit is unceasing even in the scorching heat. Do you know what the scorching heat is talking about? The hell in this world! We want a life that is going to bear peace and love and joy and be exceedingly fruitful even in the drought. What does it say about Jesus? He was a root out of a dry ground. A father, a father is someone who takes thought to care for their lives of their children. They prefer their children's lives over their own. Those of you that are fathers in this earth, you already know everything you wanted, everything you thought you were going to do in life, that all went to the side the moment you had kids in every waking thing you do, every waking moment you spend thinking about caring for their lives, providing them what they need so they can flourish, so they could have a good life. Your whole mind is consumed with that. That's a father. A father will gladly lay down their life to give their child the kind of care they need. You see it all the time. You see immigrants. They come over here and they slave with labor jobs, all just for the hope that their kids could have a better life. They offer themselves up just for their kids to have an opportunity at something more than they had. That's a sign and a wonder, declaring father. A father is someone that even should their child sin against them. They only think of serving their child with life. My own dad. I mean, I learned this about God from my dad. Man, I nailed my dad to a tree, to a cross, over and over and over and over and over again. And you know what? He never gave me evil for the evil I gave him. He always gave me good. For the evil I gave him. And after the fact, he didn't get, he didn't get no payment for that. He didn't do that because he got some pie in the sky. He did that because he's father. And he was more worried about my angst and the hell that was going on in me than the hell I was bringing to him. Well, that was testifying to me of God. Guys, God embraced us when we were doing the worst thing a kid could do. I don't know if we think about this, guys, but God came to save us. He came to love us, and we crucified God. Jesus didn't come smacking people around. He came healing. He came to save people, and we crucified him. And do you know what this God that came to save us, what he's doing when we crucified him, do you know what he's doing? He's embracing us. It's like my dad embraced me while I was nailing him to a tree. You know what he's telling us? I know. I know what's going on in you. I get it. It's okay. I know that death has taken you captive. I know the world has convinced you that you have to be a father to your own life. And I know that's what's bringing forth this hatred and envy and gossiping and backbiting and murdering in you. I see it Clearly, I know the serpent has fathered his hatred and murder and envy inside of you. It's okay. I'm here. I'm everlasting father. I'm going to blow that death up from the inside out right now. I'm interpreting the cross for you guys. Because there was a word that was made flesh there. That's God absorbing all of our death, all of our hatred into himself on the cross. I'm absorbing your sin. I'm absorbing all your hatred, all your frustration, all your confusion into myself right now, and I'm about to take it down into the grave, and I'm coming out of the grave as everlasting father. I'm coming out of the grave with the life that can give you the care that you need. Because only a life that can't die will set you free from hatred. Only a life that can't die will set you free from fear. Only a life that overcomes death in the flesh will set you free from gossiping and envying and backbiting. That's the kind of care that you need. God is, you know what God is saying to us? I'm going to show, I'm going to show you that I drew near to you even when I knew you were going to nail me to a cross. You think God didn't know what we were going to do to him when he came? I know we see Jesus, the son of man, and we get confused, and all of a sudden we forget that's God. Isaiah says in chapter 9 that a child shall be born unto you, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, for he will be everlasting father, mighty God, prince of peace, wonderful counselor. That's the Godhead. God, can't You think God didn't know what we were going to do to him? We were going to nail him to a tree. I told the guys in the Bible study listen, I love all you guys a lot. I really do. And I know the Holy Spirit could do something in me where maybe I would do it. But if I knew you were going to nail me to the tree, I ain't coming to your house today. (laughs) Well, there's good news for you. I'm not your God. So it's okay if I don't come when you're going to nail me to a tree. (laughs) But God knew. And it was his good pleasure to come anyway. Why? Because he's father. It doesn't matter what we would do to him. The thought of what was happening to us, that it would bring this out of us toward him, it was too much for him to bear. Father can't leave his kids there. Father comes and absorbs it into himself, and in the place of taking their evil, gives them good. I mean, who is it that returns good when they're nailed to a tree? Who is it that gives somebody good when the people they came to give the good to is nailing them to a cross? Father, that's who. Hmm. That's when you start knowing God as Father. Jesus came to lay bare the heart of God so we could see that's Father. And you know what? That's what we were looking for from our earthly Father. And God bless them, they could never give us that. Now, God could manifest himself in a human being, and Father can be born in them. He knew what we were going to do to him, and it was his good pleasure to come and serve us with the life that overcomes death. How could he serve people in a flesh that was dying with the life that overcomes death unless he come first and took that death into his own flesh and then manifested his life inside of that flesh that was dying and pushed the death out of it. <laughs> oh, you start to know God as Father in that place. Because a father, you know what happens if you smack a father across the face? If a child smacks a father across the face, you know what father does? Gives him the other cheek. You know what someone whose father will do? They're going to give him the other cheek. Turn and give him the other cheek. Isn't that what we see Jesus doing? Isn't that God in Christ reconciling the world to himself? Isn't that what the apostle Paul says? That's what we see God doing in the person of Jesus. There we are blaming God for our hell. There we are smacking God across the face. There we are spitting on him, mocking him, stripping him naked. That's God. Right there. He could have wiped us all out. We all know that, don't we? Jesus even said, I can call 10,000 angels right now. He didn't use his willpower not to do it. The reason he didn't do it is because he's father. You know what he did? He said, I'm going to absorb all of their hell into myself. All the hell that's come upon my kids. He looks at us and he says, get it out. It's okay, here I am. Get it out. I won't return evil for evil. We gave him evil when he came to give us good. And do you know what he gave us? Eternal life. He took the evil we gave him into his own self on that tree, on that cross. And he came out of the grave giving us eternal life for the evil we gave him. Only a father does that. Only a father does that as our dear that's as our dear friend and sister gwendolyn mary says only a father lays down their life for their children only a father would stand in the face of the sin and death that was bullying and bruising his children only a father would stand in the face of that only a father would descend into the depths of the abyss the depths of the hell so they can kick open the gates of hell only a father And not just any father, the father that we all need. Because we needed the kind of father that could absorb all that into himself. Because that's what was happening to us. And we needed someone who could take what was happening to our lives, take it into themselves, and then come out with the life that saves from that hell. And then we could know them as father. Remember, Philip says. Show us the Father and it suffices us. I'm beginning to learn that these things in the scriptures aren't just about that one person saying that. It's echoing something that's in all of our hearts. I even realized in my own heart that I had this subconscious thing going on. Show me that God is the Father that I need and I will be satisfied. There's a lot of people in the earth that think that their Father would just behave right towards them or just treat it them right. That would be what they need. All of us. Where do you think that comes from? All of us has this underlying thing in our hearts where we need to see that God can be the father that we need. And that is what will satisfy us. Philip, show us the father and it will satisfy me. What does Jesus say? If you've seen me, you've seen the father. That's what he's saying in John 17. Glorify me and the people will see the father. Glorify me, raise me up out of the grave, manifest yourself in me, and we will show the world father. Hmm. <laughs> the resurrection of Jesus is God come in the flesh to be the father we need. We see God lay down his life for ours so he could nurture our dying bodies with everlasting life. And our hearts begin to be pricked. Our hearts begin to tell us it can only mean one thing. God is our father. Only a father would do that. Only a father can do that. He's got to be the father that we need. Not just the one who created us and left us alone, but the one who takes thought to care for our lives. Look at the thought God took to care for your life in the resurrection of Jesus. That's the care you need. He knows what you need. You know that you want, but you don't know what you need. Well, Jesus, when he was on the cross, didn't want. He saw God was the father he needed. That's why he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I do not lack. (laughs) He saw what he really needed on the cross was someone to be a father to his life. Someone who could give his life the kind of care where his life would overcome and abound over the death of this cross. And he felt no lack or no want because he saw God was with him to be the father that he needed. Hallelujah. That's what God manifested in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here I am. I'm the father you need. Do you see the kind of care I can give to a human life? Do you see? Does any of you think that this world can touch Jesus' life? That's the kind of care God gave your life. That's why it says we were raised up with him. How do you think we got there? That's God raising us up. That's God caring for our lives. That's God coming and taking your life and seating it above the hell in this world. We have eternity in our hearts. And the only, the only thing that will put our hearts to rest is for us to see God is the one who can serve us with the life that's unto everlasting. That's why he's called everlasting father. We have everlasting right here. We want a life that's everlasting. And then in the resurrection, we see God is the one that can serve us with the eternity that's in our hearts and our hearts begin to see him as everlasting father. remember jesus said to philip if you've seen me you've seen the father all of us were echoing that same thing we needed someone to be a father to our life and we're saying show us that you're the father that we need do you know what the resurrection is it's jesus saying the same thing to philip to us that he said to philip remember jesus says if you've seen me you've seen the father If you've seen Jesus resurrected you've seen the Father taking thought to care for your life. Not His life. Not just His life. That's the Father taking thought to care for your life. If you've seen Jesus raised from the dead, if you've seen the Father picking Jesus up out of the miry clay and serving Him with the life that overcomes the world, you've seen the Father picking you up out of the miry clay. You've seen the Father serving you with the life that overcomes the world. We had to see God caring for a human life. We're all humans. (laughs) We had to see that God knows how to care for a human life. When you guys, when parents that have kids, when you get a babysitter, you just letting anybody babysit your kids? Or you need to see they know how to care for your kid's life before you leave them there, don't you? Well, guys, human beings, we needed to see God caring for a human life. Caring for the kind of life we have. We needed to see that because we weren't knowing him as the father that we needed. We were knowing him as God. And if you look in the Old Testament scriptures, the Israelites, they wouldn't even say the name God. They wouldn't even write it on paper. They do (laughs) G-D. That ain't Abba. Jesus. We we don't understand these things all the time because we don't know the the Jewish culture back then. Imagine Jesus on the cross, Abba. Those people, what? Where's your God now? Abba. We had to be able to see he could give us the care that we need. That's the only way our hearts can know God as Father. Now listen, in order for that to happen, there would need to be a human who would find rest in the Father's love for them. In order for us to see that God could give us the kind of care that we needed, there had to first be a human that had a life that was in the same place our life was in. Meaning a life that was being tormented by cursing and death and sin. And that human that had the same cursing and death and sin that we had, that human would then have to rest in the Father's love for them. That's the only way that we could see God come and care for our lives. We would have to have a human that when they were being nailed to a tree, because that's what the world was doing to all of us, we would have to have a human that in that place would see God as the father that they needed and call upon his name, because that's the only way then we could see God come and give that human the kind of care that we all need. We lose sight of the fact that God had to be able to manifest himself towards a human being. We lose sight of what God had to do in order to be able to demonstrate Himself as everlasting Father. We get so sidetracked by looking at Jesus as the Son of Man, and we only think He's the Son of Man. We completely lose sight that He's God, that He's everlasting Father. Well, how can God demonstrate that He's the Father mankind needs if there isn't a man that's going to call upon His name? And so He said, the humans, they don't have my spirit. They don't know me as Father. They're not going to call upon my name. So we're never going to be able to demonstrate ourselves as father to them. So he sent his word to take on human flesh. That's what the scriptures would say, a body you prepared for me. But his word is himself. His word is him. That is him come in the flesh. But God is almighty. His word can take on form. His spirit can take on form and he can still be father but every single part of his manifestation is still everlasting father. John says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So there's a man who needs to be cared for. We're all humans that need it to be cared for. But that man, he is the word of the Father. So he knows who Father is. That man calls upon the name of the Father. Instead of trying to care for his own life, that allowed Father to manifest in the earth. And now we can see Father. That everlasting Father that manifested in the resurrection. The creator of all things. You guys know the scripture says Jesus is the creator of all things. Well, if he's the creator of all things, he's got to be father. Oh, man, that's the creator of all things. That's father that manifested in the resurrection. He himself entered into our death that he might become the new creation that we were all born from. That's why it says Jesus, the firstborn of all creation the firstborn from the dead. It doesn't mean Jesus was created. It means that from him will come forth the creation that can't die because he's everlasting father and he stood up out of the grave as everlasting father. Mm. He entered into our death, everlasting father. He put on our corrupted flesh so he could take death for us. The resurrection of Jesus is the father and the word and his spirit working together to manifest everlasting father in the earth. It's the father and his word and his spirit giving your life the kind of care it needs to prosper. That everlasting father who entered into the very fabric of the destruction that came upon our lives, just as he entered into the darkness and chaos in Genesis 1, so that he could what? Bring forth the creation. He did the same thing again. He entered into our death-torn bodies. The scripture says that all things are held together by the word of his power. Well, there's the word. There's everlasting father. He entered into our death-torn flesh that he might hold together our death-torn flesh by the power of his indestructible life. That's everlasting father. He entered into our death-torn bodies that he might nurture our flesh unto life and rock-a-bye baby right rock us to sleep when your baby's crying why are they crying they hurt their bodies don't feel right and then what do you do you rock them you pat them you're trying to bring relaxation and calmness to them you're trying to comfort them like a bomb well that's what God did with us he entered into our death-torn flesh that he could manifest a life that overcomes death inside of a human body and that that would rock us to sleep. It would comfort us from the affliction we experience in this world. That's the resurrection, everlasting father, right? Glory to God. And so you you might ask God, show me how you've cared for my life because I know you've left no stone unturned. You know, sometimes your kids think you haven't given them the care they need, don't they? I remember one time when I was 10, I wanted to go to a basketball game with my basketball team. My parents wouldn't let me go. I thought that they weren't giving me what my life needed. And I became very angry. And so we can struggle sometimes to to see that God has given us all of the care that our lives need. And so you might ask him when you leave today, because I'm sure the world has come and tried to tell you, hath God really cared for your life? Look, the world's trying to convince you God is not the father you need that he can't be the father you need. And so you might just ask God, Lord, you manifested yourself in the resurrection to care for me. Sometimes I struggle to see that you've given my life the care that it needs. Persuade me, show me, because I know that the power to walk in sonship and daughterhood is found in seeing that you have given me the care my life needs. I want a life shaped by your care. I want that life in your Father. And if you think, I can't remember all that, go back and play the message. Play just the end if you need. Glory to God. Thank you, Father, that you're all things, that you hold all things together by the power of your love, by the power of your life. Thank you, Father, that the only reason I could say this is because you're already ministering to everyone's hearts that you are the father that they need i thank you lord that you could see all the places in their heart where they haven't been persuaded that you've been the father that they need i thank you lord that the light of your life shine into all those dark places and it reveals you there with them in that place showing them how you're the father that they need showing them what you've done to lift their life up out of whatever hell that's come against them in this world thank you father thank you jesus Amen. Glory to God. You guys have a great Easter. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome.